If you missed last week, we started. I'd love for you to go back. You can watch it online. I'd love for you to go back and catch it because it's not like you won't understand. This isn't a movie sequel that if you miss the first, you're completely lost. They do kind of build off of each other, but I promise you, you'll, you'll be with us the whole time if not. But a couple things that I want you to know is we hit Ephesians 1. We studied Ephesians 1 mainly and then into Ephesians 2 last week. And, and we left with the understanding that we are sons and daughters of Jesus in him. Right? We're sons and daughters of Jesus. And that when the word adoption is in there, it's not adoption like I was adopted from as an orphan. But in this particular case, I was adopted already being in the family but into maturity. Which is important for this message. It's important to understand. It's important for this message. But I want to start this one a little bit different and help you understand that I was not planning this. I was planning to do the second part of Ephesians, all right? So I didn't have a topic in mind, and then I was going to plug it in and then find verses to fit. I had verses, and then I was going to figure out what the topic was based on the verses. And the more that I studied it and read it, the more I realized that the title of today's message should be The Recipe for Reconciliation. The Recipe for Reconciliation. Now, I don't know if you've been under a rock for the last several years, especially the last several months. But if you don't believe that we need some reconciliation in our country and in the world, I don't know what country you're living in and what world you're living in. Are y'all awake? Does anybody agree that it'd be nice if we could have a recipe of reconciliation and then do it? Right? It'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Well, I'm excited because I believe that this message is ready-made for the recipe of reconciliation. But before I do, I just need to tell you why I'm so passionate about it. I didn't ask to be, like I didn't go before the Lord one day and say, Lord, I would just love it if you would make me passionate about social justice issues. I don't ever remember doing that. I just feel passionate about it. But listen, 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 be careful. I feel like that if we're not careful, we can make one side or the other the whole thing, the end story, and then we forget that human beings are involved on every side. Y'all okay? And that my job as a pastor, let me just simplify this so that half of you can be offended immediately. My job as a pastor is not to promote the Republican or the Democrat presidential nominee, Senate nominee, or any other nominee. That I'm not for them or them. I'm for him. And that if you need a pastor that's for that, there's plenty. I promise if you'll just listen, they'll preach it. But that's not going to be me. I will pray about it. I do believe, listen to me, what will you tell the church? You should vote. I mean, you should vote. Who should you vote for? I think you should pray about it. I think the Holy Spirit that lives in you is better at this than me. Yeah, but what? Stop the yeah buts. Let me tell you something. The Bible says, but God, lots of times. Let's go with that yeah, but. I'll keep going. But when it comes to reconciliation, what I'm here to argue today, and I'm so excited about this message, it's our fault that we're in the chaos and the craziness. Why? Because we have given over to the right and the left as if they're King Poobahs and Jesus, not realizing it's all corrupt. Should we pray for them? Yes. Now listen to me. Don't miss this. I'm not saying we shouldn't love them and pray for them. We're allowed to disagree on both sides. But when we make them the end all, y'all. That kind of rhymed, didn't it? End all, y'all, all. That's not the point. We've missed it. The capital C church has made fighting against Republican and Democrat like it's something, and it's not something, and guess what? Can we agree? If God's plan is to unite his people, it is from the beginning. Psalm 133, one of my favorite passages, the, the commanded blessing of God. Read it. There's only three verses. The commanding of blessing of God happens when his people are united in brotherhood. And that's not male. That's, that's, that's unity. Well, if you think that it's more important whether the right or the left get it, then you've participated in or come into agreement with Satan. You pastor. Satan is not a Republican. Them Democrats kill babies. Pastor, Satan is not a Democrat. Them Republicans don't love social justice. I'm here to tell you he's working in both of them. It's okay if y'all are quiet. I'll get you amen in a minute. Come on, Jesus. 
But I'm here to tell you that I believe Paul gave us an unbelievable message of reconciliation and then said, guess what? In 2 Corinthians 5, I've given you the message of reconciliation. So what's the problem? I'm glad you asked. I appreciate you asking. This is it. Reconcile means to call back to union, which means there was a marriage. They came together, and then divorce happened. Well, Adam and Eve didn't get divorced. I'm not talking about Adam and Eve, but I am talking about them with God. I mean that when Adam and Eve walked with God, there was a perfect union. Or what I put is, God's desire is the perfect picture of marriage to be restored. And so if you want to know a title, a follow-up title, what I thought about is the perfect picture marriage, the perfect picture union. That's what God's plan is for us, but here's what happened. Adam and Eve walked with God. It was perfect. Then this thing called sin came in the world. The serpent came. Don't eat of the fruit. If y'all don't know the story, you didn't grow up in church with the flannel boards. Come on, somebody. Y'all remember, right? They were covered. We knew it was bad, right? They ate an apple, so every apple's bad now. I don't know why it has to be an apple, right? Does anybody else ever think these things? ADD. Let's keep going. Sin separated them. Or let's use the word divided. Someone say divided. So the perfect picture marriage was divided or separated because of sin in the first place. Then you got the first family, which is Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. Cain became jealous of Abel. Abel brought the first fruits. Cain brought some fruits. It's actually the first animal and then the first fruit. He got mad. He killed him. And the family was divided. There was family division. If you want to know where racial and hatred and all of that stuff begun, began, excuse me, that's not a word, be, it, where it started, my gosh, I'm struggling. <laughs> it's Cain killing Abel. Cain was exiled. And the family was divided immediately. If you have division in your family, it's going into agreement with Cain and Abel or Satan. Keep going. Then in Genesis chapter 11, if y'all have never heard of the Tower of Babel, these cats go, oh, we can get the guy. We don't really need God. And they build this huge tower and they kept trying to get the guy and they kept building it higher, building it higher, building it higher. And it says that God in his council looked down and said, you know what? If they keep going, if I don't throw confusion down there, they'll be able to do this without me. Because I love this passage if you can twist it, if you can turn it into positive. If they speak in unity and in one accord, there's nothing they can accomplish. Well, I'm here to say, let's do that. Let's just do it in Jesus and not do it on our own. Right? right? But so, so because of them trying to do it on their own, the division of culture and racial happened. Cultural and racial division happened in Genesis chapter 11 when they tried to get to God on their own. Look at me. The culture and racial war that is happening today is because we're trying to be right on our own. We are, we are continuing the Tower of Babel, and we are yelling at other people and using Jesus' name as we do it. Listen to me. Stop using Jesus' name if we're going to yell at people. Can I tell you something? That ain't working. It's not, it's not God's plan. God wants to bring people to himself, not yell at them and tell them how awful they are. Does that mean people do evil? They do absolutely do evil. Does that mean we should stand against evil? We should stand against spiritual darkness, but we should not stand against human beings and cast, and cast them aside as if they're awful. We should, we should understand why they don't know God and try to help them understand that who he is and how amazing he is. But if we, if we the Bible says this, y'all, that our battle's not flesh and blood, but principalities and darkness. So if what I find so often is we continue this struggle of cultural and racial divide because we yell at the human and we accept the awful spirit. And that's ridiculous. That's got to flip. But listen, this is what I love about the Bible. Paul just straight up hands it to us on a silver platter and says, that's not my plan. My plan is the picture-perfect union here so that this, look at me, that you are the body of Christ or the bride of Christ and that the picture-perfect union can be restored. That's his plan. And that's why he sent Jesus. I know that you grew up believing that he just sent Jesus so you could go to heaven. And he did, but that's not the end of it. So look at this, Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 13. We're picking up where we left off last week. It says, but now. Someone say, but now. This is a good but. Okay? This is where you can say it. It says, but now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Christ. 
So, so if I didn't have relationship, if I was, if I was separated in family or had division, if I was, had division among each other, we said no longer does that have to be you, you. You're now brought near through the blood. For he himself is our peace. Someone say peace. peace. Say it loud. Say peace. One of the most important words in this entire passage is peace. It's peace. Paul repeats it several times in the next passages that I have on the next page, but I need to tell you what peace is. Peace does not mean you get the best bag of weed and you smoke it. Huh? And you're like, peace, man. Right? Dude. Make love, not war. That's not peace. That's what some of y'all think. Tell the truth. Is that what some of y'all think when you see peace? Like you see the peace sign and you see two fingers and you think, Jimi Hendrix and I'm not mad at you. Huh? Here's what peace means. Wholeness. Particularly in this passage, it means to be brought into wholeness. Meaning you were broken, whether you know it or not. I need to say it this way. Some of you are broken and you're trying to fight the fact that you are. You know how I know it? Because you show off your brokenness by yelling at everybody else's brokenness. If you really have peace, the Bible says blessed are the peacemakers. 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 Someone say peacemaker. I don't hear a lot of it. Why? Because they ain't had peace made in them. You know what it says, best of peacemakers, for they are the sons of God. Remember I said that thing about adoption? Sons of God does not mean all of a sudden now you're a child of God. It means you already were a, ch- a child of God, but you'll be seen as one because you'll step into your purpose as adopted. That's what it means. So we've gotten that wrong. We've said, well, they're not sons, and now they're sons. No, 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 no. They were. They just don't sound like it. Why? Because they're not at peace. The kingdom is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's why we don't live kingdom. Why? Because there's no peace in us. And so if your life is tattered and torn, and if my life is all kinds of broken up, then what I'm going to sound is angry, not sound like a peacemaker that can draw people close. What I'm going to sound like is a right-wing or a left-wing crazy person that is so busy trying to prove that that side or that side's right that I could care less that tens of millions, if not billions of people are dying without Jesus going to hell. I could care less. They're wrong. Why do we do that? Because of a lack of, what's this word? Peace. Who has made us one One, one, and has broken down in his flesh, meaning Jesus became flesh. John chapter 1, the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory. That Jesus came, he lived a sinless life, died on the cross, and in that flesh, he he broke down the dividing wall of hostility. It's so good, I can't wait to show y'all. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances, I don't know what that word's are, that he might create in himself, in Christ, one new man. This is going to mess with some of y'all so bad today, and I'm so excited. In place of two. What does that mean? I'll tell you in a second. So so by doing that, he makes peace. He, He makes whole. He draws people together, and that he might, what's this word? He might reconcile us. The perfect union is possible again by what Jesus did on the cross, both to God and in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were close. For through him we have Both of us, it says, have access in one spirit to the Father. Now watch this. I'm about to preach real good, so I need y'all to lean in. You know, I don't care if people are uncomfortable with this. I just like being honest, and so I'm going to be today. And if you don't like it, I love you. Don't be mad at me. Be mad at the word. If we can just break down a bunch of crap and get through all the theological mumbo jumbo we can we can say this for at least a long time there was social economic socio and then economic and 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 especially racial 
hierarchy in our country, and we're trying to tear that down, and that's what a lot of this is. And while I'm only 40, and it's been different since I've been alive because I never was in a segregated time period, we understand by looking at history that that was the case. And if y'all can't agree with that, we just aren't looking. Can y'all agree that I'm telling the truth? I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. I'm not mad at history. I'm just telling you that's the truth. Now, I want to tell you what's so funny about that. And I'm not talking about I'm, I'm sitting back laughing, ha-ha. I'm saying the irony of that. The irony of that is, according to the word, I am a white man. That's not what the word says. I'm just telling you the truth, right? I'm white. But I'm a Gentile. How do you know you're a Gentile? Because I'm not a Jew. <laughs> okay. Neither are y'all. I'm pretty sure I don't see any natural born Jewish people. To be a Jew, you have to be naturally born Jewish. You cannot be an adopted Jewish person. That's not possible. You either are or you are not, which means you got the blood of a Jewish person. I'm pretty sure none of us are that. If you agree so far, say yes. So here's what that means. Everybody in my room, in this room, and 99% of people that I meet out there are not natural born citizens of the kingdom of God before Jesus came, which means none of us had the right to go in. I'll show you a picture which shows you what that looks like. This is the old picture of the temple. I'm sorry if it's hard to see, but inside of here, let's try it again. Inside of here is where the business took place. Matter of fact, inside of here, this says the holy place. Inside of this particular thing right here is where all the action could happen. It's where, it's where the most holy place was. It's where God's presence was. It's where only the high priest, after making the altar, after making the sacrifice, he could go into the first room through a curtain and then through a second room called the Holy of Holies. And in there, he could be in the presence of God. But only one high priest could go in there. But all the Jewish people could come in here. All the Jewish men, I should say. Because this right here, well, let, me see, let me see if I can find it. Women's court, this right here is where y'all could go in, Jewish women. Does it it kind of sounds, it's so interesting to me, it kind of sounds like our government used to be. Because out here is the Gentile court. This is, why do I keep doing that? This is all the Gentile people could come in. You could not come in here. Do you know you would be killed if you tried to go in there? I'm not talking about in there. I'm talking about in here. There was a dividing wall of hostility. I don't think any of us quite realize how big of a gap of hatred there was between Samaritans and anybody else that was a quote-unquote Gentile and the Jewish people. But it was a whole, whole, whole lot worse than it is in our country today. So when Paul came to preach, Paul's, Paul's primary message was not to the Jewish people but to the Gentiles. And it's ironic that he was not only a Jew, watch this, Paul had access to in here. Paul was a high priest. So, so, so Paul taught in this area to just the high, most important, educated people. And as a Pharisee, Paul had access in here, but Paul said, I'm not called just to the people in here, but called to all these people so that all people can have access to God now because what God did by sending Jesus was he said, no longer is my temple made of human hands, but in three days I'm going to tear the temple down and build it back up. And everybody's still looking for it in Israel, but I'm here to tell you it walks around like this, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But I, look, this is how he tore it down, and I'm sorry that it's not a better picture, but hopefully you can get the picture. Mark chapter let's see, 15, I think, verse 28. Y'all can look up my work. See if I'm close. Mark 15, 28 says that the veil was torn. Why is that important? Because in here there was a really thick curtain, and then right here where the Holy of Holies was, inside the most holy place, the Ark of the Covenant stayed here, and the high priest once a year would go into here to clean it, and to experience God in the most holy place. If he was full of sin, y'all ready for this? They put a, a rope around his, his uh, ankle and a bell. Click, cling, 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 cling. If it stopped ringing, they'd drag him out dead. All y'all looking at me like, who is this cat and what's he talking about? <laughs> dead as a hammer. <laughs> so... So I get excited that I get to go into the presence of God, but I don't think it's something that we should mess with. Because back in the day, <laughs> he gone, right? One 
man. You know why I think we mess up spiritual hierarchy? I'm about to get ahead of my message because I'm about to show you something cool. But we still think that Mark Pangle, because I was called to preach, is a high priest. Uh, Nope. Nope. It's actually, according to the word, the opposite of that. But we do all have one high priest. Can anyone tell me his name? In the order of Melchizedek, it's Jesus. And he tore down these walls of hostility that only certain ones and only certain ones and only certain ones and only certain ones and you had this hierarchy guess what the drug addict who came in here today and you want to know what's this thing about and are they going to be nice to me have just as much access to the holy of holies as I do it ain't got nothing to do with what you did it's, it's got everything to do with what he already accomplished on the cross he loves you on your worst day as much as he does on your best day That all of that hostility was torn down. And that's the message of reconciliation. Not is one side right and one side wrong. So when we get caught up in in elections and, and, and right and left, we miss the whole message. Why do we miss it? Thank you for asking. He says, all of us are no longer strangers and aliens if we trusted Jesus. But we're fellow citizens. You know what Galatians 4 says? There's neither male nor female Jew nor Greek that were one in Christ which means that my brothers and sisters who don't look like me, who do not come from the same background as me, do not have a European ascendant background as me, are just as much my family stop, are more my family than people with my last name if they're not in Christ. Why? Because I used to have their blood now I have his blood. I was born natural but the Bible says I'm born again in Christ. So that I can look at you and even though I can celebrate the cultural uniquenesses, the distinctions, I don't have to look at them and say, ugh, they're different. I can look at them and say, look how different. But I can believe that you're my brother and sister more than the people who are not in Christ. And you can be my family. He says, we're no longer strangers and aliens. We're fellow citizens with each other, the saints, the members of God, the household of God, built Here's here's the part that I was getting ahead of myself. On the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Pause. Anytime that we put, I'm going to mess with some of y'all, but I love you and I like to. Anytime that we put men or women on pedestals because they're really good at teaching the Bible. That does not mean that God doesn't want to elevate. God's the one that said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I believe God specifically calls you to a purpose. And if he elevates you, then go. Don't push yourself. Beat yourself down. Humility is not beating yourself down. It's just thinking of yourself less. But if you put people on pedestals, you've not understood what the job of the apostle and prophet is. What does it say? On the foundation of the apostles and prophets. These are foundational gifts. These are foundational callings. The apostle prophet gifts aren't supposed to stand on me. I'm supposed to stand on the word of revelation that they give. So if I elevate human beings above where God intends for them to elevate, I'm the problem. The reason men and women fall so hard is not men and women's fault oftentimes, and it is many times, don't miss what I'm saying, but oftentimes it's because I've elevated them in a place that God hasn't called them. It's on their revelation that we get to stand But Christ is the one that holds it all together as the capstone or cornerstone. And if I haven't made him the point, then I've missed the entire point of the gospel, of the the entire message of the Bible. It's not about a human. It's about the God-man who came and died and rose again. That's the point. And so why do I have so much trouble? Because I elevate people and then I put an expectation on them that I've never been supposed to. Guess why? They're human. They're going to mess up. The best of man, the best of woman are men and women at the best. And they're going to disappoint you. Why? Because they go through all kinds of things in their own minds and they struggle. How do I know that? Because I struggle. How do you know that? Because you struggle. Because they're human. Because you lack peace all the time because of parts of your life that you refuse to let God have. Because you fight against it and you say, you can have access to all of this, but hands off. In whom the whole structure, what's the structure? This is the whole structure. 
It's no longer a temple. This, I love our church. If it, if it burnt down today, we'd still meet. Why? Because it's not about a building. This is the body of Christ, each person. And the reason unity is so important is because if the body is separated, whether it's racial separation, whether it's, whether it's you know, language separation, family separation, any of those things are going back in the order of how the fall happened. Well, I can't restore it to the picture perfect because I want to yell at the people that don't think like me, not listen to the people that, think like, that don't think like me. As if I have all the answers. Because the point is that we're being built together. Someone say together. Yeah. Say it loud. Say together. Yeah. We're being built together into the dwelling place. So if God's desire is unity, why does the picture still seem blurry? Are y'all with me? Can you agree that in this world and in your life right now, that purpose oftentimes seems blurry, that peace oftentimes seems blurry, that there's frustrations and I don't understand? Can anyone agree with me? Well, I want to show you what I think chapter 3 says. Starting in verse 6, he says that this is a mystery, and this mystery is that the Gentiles, us, each one of us, now have belonging in Christ. We're fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers in the promise in Christ through the whole gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. In other words, Paul's saying, I get to do this not because I'm better than you, but because God called me to do it and gifted me to do it. So don't think of me higher, just understand where I'm at. Which was given by the working of, excuse me, by God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power, meaning in him, the Holy Spirit. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And that's what the whole first message was about, is understanding that you have an unbelievable calling and that there's unbelievable riches in Christ. And the reason we don't see it is because the picture's blurry. We always think, I believe you're blessed because I see what's happening, but I can't see the picture clearly. Are y'all okay? It's about to get gooder. Then he says, I want to, y'all say this phrase right here. I want to bring to light, not for some, not for a few. I want to bring to light for everyone. The, the purpose why God gave me this is to bring to light, bring to light, bring to light for everyone. What is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things? To bring to light. If you were at last week's, I talked about one key word, and I showed you this. So young people, if y'all missed it last week, old people like me used to have to bring the roll. Y'all remember when we had the roll, when the picture, when you, when you had it done? Some of y'all just had disposable cameras, click, 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 right? And then we brought the roll of film. This is called a a negative. It's important. Bring to light is the word fatizo, just like photo that I was talking about last week. But what are we bringing to light? Look at this. Look at this. When light passes through a negative, when I hold it up to a light, all of a sudden I can begin to see a positive version of the image. Or let me translate. I can understand what's supposed to be. Can I tell you all something? That, that's not the point. That's part of the process. Someone say part. part. Y'all look at me. This is your part. This is your part of the message. I wanted to teach y'all that much to give y'all an understanding of where we're going. This is the quickest, the shortest. We're almost done. But if y'all miss, miss that Jesus is the point and that reconciliation was his message and that he brought and everything he did was to draw people, then this is what most of us do, right? This is what most of our lives are like. When we think about our lives up till this point, you know what? I just want to drop it down a couple thousand feet and bring it down right where we are. When I just look at my life, oftentimes what I do is I say, God, I just want a little bit of understanding. And so I hold it up and I have conversations with God and I just say, let me see. Let me see. And then I'll feel like I get a little bit of picture. Here's what I think is so fascinating about what I'm doing. 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter, we know in part, so we prophesy in part, which is just like this. Because if you're praying, God might give you a little bit of a nugget for somebody. And it's like getting the negative and being able to hold it up. And all of a sudden, you get to see a little bit and you give them a word. And they're like, how in the world did you know that? You must be a soothsayer. No, God just gave me a little picture in. It's not magic. But then we go right back feeling the way we felt. And we don't understand, look at me, why I can't give you peace if there's no peace in here. Because you know what we really want? We really would feel better if God would just tell us the whole picture. Not understanding that there's a person who does the work on the photo. He's called or she's called the developer. Well, guess what? In your life and in my life, there's one developer. Do you know who that is? That's the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit in you. You know what I think happens oftentimes? Why we never experience peace is because when the negative that has to have light gets put down. I don't know if y'all have seen it, but it almost looked like when we grew up and we used to do science projects and you could look through the, the, or the magnifying glass, y'all remember? And you had to put the little thing on the glass. It's almost the exact same thing. It's called an expander. I'm about to preach. You know why your vision is so small? Because you've never let the expander work. You've kept looking at your life as if this is all that God has for you. And you see it in a negative light. But when you put it under the light, colors come out. Differences come out. And did you know this? I think this is really cool. Did you know I could take this negative? There's three of us. And I could make it a mural for this entire wall. Because once an expander gets its light on it, the, the expansion is just a formula based on length and width, not based on how big. And as long as it expands correctly, there's no limit. It could be as big as a billboard. But most of us live our lives like this. And so we feel broken up inside and not whole, and we wonder why the message of reconciliation doesn't go out there, because it's never gone in here. Because we live our lives with a lack of peace, because he's, it feels like God's forgotten me, he's not made me whole, but the work has to work. The producer, or the, excuse me, the developer, you have to go through the process. Listen to me. Why is there so much racial divide? Why is there so much heartache? Why is there so much conflict? Because the Christians, the church, the picture-perfect bride of Christ is not the picture-perfect bride of Christ because we've not let peace come in our hearts, listen, daily. We may get motivated by a message, but on Tuesday afternoon, we're done with it because so-and-so said something wrong to me and I'm finished with them. And all we can see is there's no light. And I just look, and no matter how hard I look, if it's completely dark, no matter, y'all see this? No matter how hard I look, I can't get the picture. Can't get the picture. I can't get the clarity and the beauty of what this is supposed to be because the negative is always much smaller than the finished product. And it's grainy, and it's not clear, and it's frustrating, and I don't understand. And the more I let difficulty come, listen, in. Someone say in. Here's the deal with peace and why it's so difficult. Because what happens outside of me should not affect, 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 change what is done inside of me. <clears throat> peace has nothing to do with circumstances and everything to do with what the finished work of Jesus is supposed to accomplish in me. But here's what I do. I say, God, change all of this so that I can feel this, so that I can do this. And he's like, no, just hold it up to the light, dude. Well, who's the light? I, I, these are Jesus' words, not mine. I am the light of the world. And then he said, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. But I think what we want to do is shine, and we don't realize that it's supposed to change lives by revelation. Do you know that the word, the word mystery, by the way, to understand it fully is not something that can't be known. It's just something that is unknown until it's revealed. It's able to be known. It was just not known because the, it was never held up to the light. Most of our lives feel like a mystery because we live our lives like this and we're mad at God for not making it known. 
but we won't take time to let the developer develop me. We won't, we, won't, we won't take the time to let the expander work in my life because all of us, think about how many times y'all have prayed this if you're a Christian. God, expand my territory. Expand what I can do. Make me more known. The worst thing that could happen is for me to have expansion before he expands in here. Before he expands the eyes of my heart understanding. Before he expands the light of life coming inside of me, the worst thing that could ever happen is expansion because I I don't think we can comprehend how much his expansion is. But the light has to hit first. The development has to take place. For a picture-perfect union to happen, it's constant light that has to hit it. And when I allow circumstances to dictate how I live my life, so I then yell at other people for not being like me, Guess what? It's coming in and then coming out is darkness. It's negative. It's telling them you're small. You're tiny. There's no purpose in you whatsoever because we're blinded. I think that's what's so fascinating about Revelation 3. All the people that thought, I'm rich, I've got a lot. And, and Jesus is the one that's speaking to, that, to the church in Revelation 3. And he says, not realizing you're pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. That's us doesn't matter how much stuff you have. You can be poor and, be, and have lots of things. But you can understand how great God is when there is peace in you regardless of what's around you. And you'll never, ever, ever change the world. Listen to me. If he doesn't get to change your world. And you may have fooled people. Look at, look at my way. You may have fooled people. But as long as we squeeze you hard enough, the truth's going to come out. Because all that squeezing does is lets me know what's really inside. Are y'all okay? Let me finish with this. This is so good, y'all. Paul's continuing. He says, this is why I want you to know so that through us, through us, through the unity in the body of Christ, this is unfreaking believable. It says so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. I always was like, cool, I'll use that because I'll sound spiritual. The manifold (laughs) wisdom. You know what the word manifold means? Multicolored. Multifaceted, but in the best translation in the Greek, it means multicolored. Multicolored. You know, what's, what's brought us in understanding down before is to believe that a race, that a thought, that a group is the best. And I'm here to tell you I think that's true. It's just not a human race. I think it's his race. A new nation. A royal priesthood. I'm about to run a lap. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Do you know, I don't think it's by accident that there's 12 stones and they're all different colors in heaven. I don't think it's by accident that the last chapter in all of the Bible says that where the river of life runs through in heaven that there's leaves that produce in every season so that there's healing of nations. I think if God wanted one color or one race or one look or one language of people, he would have not had a tree of life in heaven who produces fruit, who produces leaves that heal. I think he would have just said whoosh and y'all are all the same. I think he loves, can I show y'all something? I think he loves this a whole lot more than he loves this. You know, if we were describing for God what we wanted, we would want plain Jane, just like me. But the manifold wisdom of God is colorful, it's big, it's beautiful, it's powerful, it's amazing. And if you don't see God this big, then you've made God try to fit in your negative. He's not your negative. How do you know? Because the manifold wisdom of God is a whole lot bigger than I've comprehended at this point. But he wants, I'm just telling you, I'm about to hit on something that I don't have time for, but it's unbelievable. You know that it's not just humans that we're supposed to reveal this to, but it says to the authorities, the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. <laughs> Y'all don't have to like it, but I do. My God in heaven. What does that mean? It means that he will give us so much revelation when we're walking in unity in him that the angels and the demons are like, oh, you, wow, are you serious? Yes, because they weren't made in the image of God, but you and I were. And I ain't mad at them. I'm not mad at the angels. The demons can go to hell where they belong. I'm not, I'm thankful for the angels, but guess what? The Bible says you and I have charged to tell angels to go, to tell angels to come. 
that we will be the judges of the angels someday. So we might as well step into our purpose right now. How do we do that? I don't think I'm great. I don't think I'm better. But I'm one in him. And when peace happens in here and peace happens in here, then change can come out there. Why are we not the change to the world? Because we have the answer in the person of Jesus because there's no peace in you. So why would they want peace that you don't have? This was according to the eternal purpose that is, someone say realized. 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 That's what realized means. That is realized. How? In Christ Jesus our Lord. Like, how does it happen? Paul says, in Christ. When the blinders come off. You know what's so interesting? 2 Corinthians 3. I know I throw a lot of scripture at y'all, but it's just in my head and I gotta, can't help it. So write it down or go back and watch it. I'm sorry. But 2 Corinthians 3 says that there's a veil over the eyes and the hearts of the Jewish people now. Why is that? Because they think religion gets you there. You know why I believe the church is following the 2 Corinthians 3 Jewish people and not Jesus? Because we let pride puff up and we argue back and forth rather than let peace be in us. Jesus said, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. I'm going into preparing a place for you. And where I go, there'll be a place for you also. But while you're here, I'm adding this, live in peace. If possible, Romans chapter 12, live peaceably among each other. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be sons of God. They will walk in their eternal purpose because they have matured and they show off their maturity. I'm going to finish with the last verses of chapter 3 that if you're a Christian in here, you've quoted them. I promise. We love to quote them. Watch this. Sorry, I'm, I about skipped an important verse. Now we can go boldly and have confidence in the throne room. But look at this. Y'all have quoted this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or think. Have y'all heard that verse before? We do it wrong, don't we? Because that's true. But the way that we can believe it is not by just saying it. But by living it, by letting the expander do the work, by letting God have peace in and through us and it will not happen by you just going through the motions. Matter of fact, let me, let me set the world on fire and tell you the truth. Look at my face. Everybody knows you ain't at peace. I don't care how many verses you put on Facebooks. We know. We know. We know. And you know what? You know it about me too. Because I can preach this stuff till the cows come home and someone cut me off before I get to the interstate and I can be ready to cuss them out. Y'all are like, preacher shouldn't say that. I agree. <laughs> huh? So why would I? Peace. Because I promise you a car cutting me off ain't the reason that I'm ready to cuss somebody. It's a lack of peace in me so it comes out of me because the outside circumstances aren't allowed to dictate when King Jesus is ruling in. So how can everybody out there have the picture-perfect understanding, the clarity, the picture-perfect marriage is supposed to take place? How can our homes be unified? How can racial reconciliation and, and, and national reconciliation take place? You gotta reverse the curse. But the first place it's gotta reverse, watch this, is in you. You've got to let the light do the work and you've got to let the process do the work and you've got to not try to define that the thing is done because a lot of times it starts out as a negative but until the light of life gets to see through it and shine through it and cast it where it's going to go it ain't going to seem good 
most of us put stipulations on God and say, if you'll just do this, then I'll do this. Watch this, y'all. He already did. He already did. He already did it. He already did it. He already did it. He already did it. And if you're still waiting on him to do it, he ain't moving. God ain't about to do anything. With respect to people that love to prophesy, God is fixing to, God ain't fixing to do nothing. Jesus is seated on the right hand of God and placed his Holy Spirit in you so that when light hits it, it can develop and do what it's supposed to do. But there's already been a finished work that's done. What's the finished work? Jesus on the cross. So what's the problem, Mark? <laughs> we make places inaccessible to the Spirit of God in our lives. We're embarrassed by what we've done in the past and we don't ever want to let people know. And we would rather, we'd rather yell at everybody else than have peace actually come to us because of pride. And I'm just here to implore you, do what I've done this week. I'm going to tell you what I told the first service. I really try to, I mean, really, really try to chase the Lord with my life 24-7. I really do. And I find so much frustration in days that I just feel blah. And I go before him and I say, God, like, what have I done wrong? Because I feel like chewing the head off of this person today and I want to pray for my enemies. Bless those who persecute. I want to love them anyway. I want to do what you do. And a couple of my really good friends and I started fasting this week and starting about Thursday through even last night, I felt like I had gone to war, y'all. I mean, I was mean to Leah. I wasn't really mean to the kids because I didn't talk to them. Come on, somebody. But I would have been. And I just didn't understand. And I, I, I had moments that I was kind, but I just, I felt at war. And I realized this. It doesn't matter how good things are out. I was at war in. Why? Because I had said, God, I know you're trying to change some things in me, so go. Have full access. I surrender it. And I shouldn't expect that there's not turmoil inside when that's what's at stake. And I'm not telling you right this second in front of God and everybody that I have been so since such and such a time, but I'm so thankful because here's what I know. The expander must be working. The light must be hidden. Because the enemy never, look at me, the enemy will never fight you if you're not a threat. Why would he mess with you? You're one of his if you're not. And I'm realizing that for every man, woman, and child that I come in contact with, and I want you to know that when I say I, I mean us, the body, our people, for me and my house. It's not going to matter what happens outside. It's going to matter that the work that God wanted to do inside gets to work. And I let him. But can I tell you all something? If you believe you get to walk out of here and then all of a sudden it's like, sweet, I done did it, plow, plow. You're going to struggle. You're going to struggle tomorrow. Because it's work. It's process. It's God working. Listen, when I say it's work, it's God doing it in you. And it'll be put to the test constantly because if you say, I'm making a declaration, I am full of peace and there is no anxiety in me, no anything in me. <laughs> okay. We'll see. <laughs> so what I say is, God, you have full access. I want the peace of God which passes under all understanding to guard my heart and mind. So whatever you have to do, change me. And I'm just here to tell y'all today, I know this probably ain't gonna be the most popular thing I've ever said, but some of y'all gotta lay some idols down. Look at me. You got to lay some idols down. If you want peace, if you want, like I say, listen, I cry. I've stayed up at night. I've begged God, do this. And I feel like if God would speak audibly to me and he doesn't, he speaks to me all the time, but it's never been, Mark, do this. I've never heard God do that, all right? But I, but I feel like if, even if he would, this is what he'd say. I've already done that. Now you do this. So in order for peace to go out there, it's got to finish in here. So let the word Jesus do the work in. 
And then peace can come to your home. Reconciliation can come to your life. Reconciliation can come to your work or come to your children and come to their children. But don't get mad at God for not doing it. He already finished it. You got to let it happen in you. And here's what I mean by laying down idols. If you know God's talking to you right now and you feel un you feel so much hostility and angst, but you want to make sure that everybody out there thinks that you got it together. Can we be real in this place? We ain't got it together. And you don't make this your altar or you tell a brother and sister in Christ that you need help. Then you're the idol. You want to make sure everybody thinks you got it together, but sister and brother, you ain't. You got to let this be your altar and you got to say, Jesus... I surrender that part of my life and let him do the work. So here's what I want you to do. I'm not going to build something up big and, and try to do some magical thing. I'm offering this to you right now. We had several people come down in the first, and I believe the Holy Spirit's been working on you, and I'm not dragging this on anymore. If you need God to radically change you, to alter your life, come to the altar. Come and let this be the place where you just kneel before him or stand before him and open your hands up and say, God, I don't know what to do, but I need you. I'm not, listen, for a second, I'm not worried about COVID. We won't spread a bunch of germs, but I do believe in the laying on of hands and myself and some other people will come behind you, we'll cover our faces and we'll pray over you. But I believe some people's hearts are so hardened and what you need is help. So I'm just asking you right now, like my brothers right here, brother and sister right here that boldly came. I just want y'all to come. And I'm not going to do anything. I just want y'all to come while I pray. Come while the song's going on and let us pray over you. Because I believe God wants to make peace in you. Watch this. So the message of reconciliation can go out there and go in them. So God, right now, I just pray peace over this room. God, I believe we are blessed. I believe you're doing an unbelievable work. I believe you've done it. Lord, I don't know why this week was like it was, but I believe it's for this moment. And so, God, we lay down the altar of ourselves, or lay down the idol, I mean, of ourselves at the altar, and we just say we come. We surrender all to Jesus, and we ask you to do an unbelievable work of peace. So, God, we receive your grace. We receive your mercy and your peace. And, Lord, we just lift our hands and we sing to you in this moment. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Y'all come.